When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome in the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. We're temporarily calling it Five Off the Floor. We've actually got four off the floor on today's special episode. Make sure you check out all of the content in our network. And that means starting with FiveReasonsSports.com. Spell it out. We've got heat content that's going up there today, but we've been doing a ton of Dolphins free agency stuff. We've actually had some of our biggest days on the website. So we know you're bored and we are free. We don't have a paywall. So just go check out everything we're doing. And also the five reasons sports YouTube channel with a very popular show by our Dutch called I got nothing among other programming that's there over at the YouTube channel and also the other podcasts in our network, three yards per carry five rings canes with new episodes over the past couple of days and light skinned opinions where I'm the lightest skinned person to ever appear. Um, my, my appearance on that episode is out this week. All right, check out also the sponsors in our network. One of them of course is the Seltzer Mayberg law firm. You can find them at one That's O N E calllegal.com. They're there for you 24 hours a day to handle any legal issue you have. Yes, I know the courts are closed right now, but they will not be closed forever. So make sure that you check out whatever it is that you need to deal with, whether it's immigration, slip and fall, traffic tickets, anything at all. The Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm will handle it. They're based right there in North Miami, just south of the Golden Glades. Again, the website is onecalllegal.com. Spell it out, O-N-E, calllegal.com. And yes, they're working. They're on remote right now, but they're working. All right. Today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. Alf954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back, and I've been saying that we're going to continue to produce content here on the network. I mean, that is what we're here for. We have nothing else to do. Uh, we'll get into that in a second, what everybody's doing. I'm unemployed to begin with, but the three guys here on this podcast are not, um, but temporarily. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to get into that. Uh, so obviously, we will also want to provide your coronavirus updates as they apply to Broward, Dade, and Palm Beach counties. I'll be doing that on the Five Reasons Sports account and then pissing everybody off on the Ethan J. Skolnick account. All right. Um, we, we always are looking for, for like pegs right now, like reasons to do a podcast, right? So the other day it was, oh, the Heat, you know, had interest in DeMar DeRozan at the deadline. Okay, we're going to do a whole pod on that. Well, today, Pat Riley helped us because he turned 75. And so we figured this is a good opportunity to get into Pat's career in two different ways. One, where he's been with the Heat. 
I'm not really going to get into the Lakers, the Knicks as much, but just what he's done uh, since he was on the Carnival Imagination ship uh, back when cruise ships were actually used for fun and not for triage and where it's going now that he's 75 years old and why he's still here. So I'll start and then I'm going to get to our guests. We've got the usual Alex Toledo. You can find him at Tropical Blanket. We've got Alphonse Sydney. You can find at Alf954. We've got Greg Sylvander, who you also know as Leif, but also at Greg Sylvander. Um, if I'm going to define the Riley, and we're all going to define sort of his legacy here in Miami. If I'm going to define it, it is consistency. To me, that's the word that comes up. And I, and I don't mean that in terms of results, because obviously it's been ebbs and flows. You had, you know, the build... Uh, to basically, you know, a team that was supposed to try to take down Jordan. It never did because the Knicks kept getting in the way, but a competitive team that made basketball matter in this market. That was the late 90s, Timmy, Zoe, Mash, Marley, etc. Then you had Zoe's unfortunate illness. But coming out of that, another build after a little bit of a down period with Dwayne Wade and then the build to Shaq. And then after that fell apart for a variety of reasons, uh, then obviously the, the build with Dwayne is the singular star to 2010, the big three. And what we've seen now, which is additional sort of resilience and rebuilding again. And the reason I use the word, I could have used resilience because I think that's a big part of what this organization is about. And that actually was the title of Alonzo Mourning's book. But the reason I'm using consistency is because I think the reason that the Heat are able to be resilient is because Riley is consistent. The organization is consistent. Nobody ever leaves. There are certain principles in place that, although they may be adjusted, are the basic principles that you know are sort of, I'm not going to use the word heat culture, but they're sort of the heat way, right? And so I think that consistency allows you to make mistakes like the heat made in 16 and 17 in those summers, dramatic, big, big mistakes that would have set other franchises back for a decade. And instead, they really only set the franchise back a couple of steps for a couple of years. So that's what comes to mind. I'll have Riley's stories as we go forward, but that's my thing is by keeping a consistent organization where you know everybody who's in the building and you know if you make a mistake, you can work with these people to kind of remedy the mistake because you have been to a certain place before. And it's a conversation I had with a Heat executive earlier this year who told me to stop panicking about the situation they were in. This is before the season because he's like, look, you remember what we did you know, after Zoe got sick. You remember what we did uh, after the, the, the Shaq team fell apart? Eventually, there's a build and we figure it out because we learn from our mistakes. And to me, that's because this organization, unlike 90% of the organizations in sports, is consistent. Leif, you're the special guest today. I go to you. Uh, yeah, that's, you summed it up. But if I, if I had to think about the Riley era and, and I'm really boiling it down to one buzz line, it would be never settling. And I know that Obviously, I'm the guy who's waving the pom-poms for Pat, and I always have been. Um, but if you really think about it, he's rebuilt this thing seven or eight times, um, different periods where they've either retooled in a really significant way or they were building something. Um, and I think that just over and over and over, he never has settled for just being a four seed or a five seed. And I know that there's been jokes about him settling for mediocrity when they were, you know, strapped with Hassan Whiteside and Tyler Johnson and those kind of contracts. And there's been moments like that that have gone down, but you always know he's um, not settling for anything less than like big fish and going after those big superstar players. There's franchises in this league that 
are happy, like their best free agent summer ever is Malcolm Brogdon. Like that would be considered a down summer in Miami. And that is all attributed to Pat and setting the expectation from day one that it was about championships and he stayed true to his word. Alf? Um, Riley for me, it's funny. It's, the reason I'm a Heat fan is primarily because of Pat Riley because I was a Laker fan growing up. And I've said that before on this pod. And every time we get messages, bandwagon, shut up. It was like 1995. I was 12, 14 years old. Anyway, um, so Riley coming here after his stint with the Lakers, because Magic Johnson was my favorite player. He came down here and, you know, being that age and not knowing a lot about the Heat, even though I'd been down here since 1988, I just, you know, I kind of just latched on and said, you know, I'll go with the flow. And then, Right out the right out of the gates, uh, he brings in Alonzo Mourning and then Tim Hardaway, and then this team becomes uh, a perennial Eastern Conference, uh, you know, one or two seed. And so you just saw right from the very beginning that he swung for the fences. And to be a fan, sometimes that's all you can really ask. Like I know it's become more uh, more more popular to worry about assets and and you know hand ring over how many draft picks your team has and all this other stuff. And everyone's, I mean, everybody on Twitter knows every salary cap machination. I'm, I'm going back to the mid nineties, late nineties as a basketball fan. I just wanted my team to try to win, <laughs> like mm-hmm. try to win at all costs and go big or go home. And Riley has always maintained that. And now over the years with Andy and um, you know, they have a great scouting department and it's kind of, you kind of seen that they've become more analytical and they've, they've changed with the times. But at the end of the day, that Riley personality of swing for the fences each and every single time, try to win, try to win championships. Like don't take three, four, five, six years off just to, you know, to, for a process of hopefully getting a high draft pick. So to me, that's kind of what embodies it. And it is as a fan, it just, even when he does make mistakes, it's easy to go back and say, you know what, I trust him because he's gotten he's gotten the fan base out of these uh, these spots before and he can probably do it again. Yeah, I think trust is a huge word here. And I think you have to put, before I get to Alex, you have to put the heat in the context of the other teams in town. I, I, that That is, to me, where even if you've had disagreements with Pat and I have, and at times I've been wrong. I mean, he called me out cause I was definitely wrong about the moves that were made in the off season of 2005. Um, I hated that off season. I, I was, I had an allegiance to Eddie Jones. I didn't like to see him going right before this team was going to take another step. But Pat saw that really Eddie wasn't a guy to get you over the top with that group and, and made a move, made bold moves for, for guys who had checkered pass, I mean, and, you know, in terms of team basketball, like an Antoine Walker uh, or Jason Williams, and then obviously Gary Payton towards the end of his career can be a difficult character. And Posey was kind of an unknown and he made those moves and I didn't like the moves and the moves worked. Um, but there's been other moves that haven't worked, but I do think the big thing with him is trust. And I think that if you compare it to the, the only other team in town that really matters, uh, which is the Dolphins, that's, I mean, if you look at the coach, I think there's been 11 Dolphins coaches in the time that the Heat have had three. And, and it's just the, the constant turnover and the lack of trust, which I think finally this offseason with the Dolphins is turning a little bit. Um, Alex, you're the youngest of the group by far. Your thoughts? So I was literally 
going to say some of those exact same things you said right there. It's funny that you mentioned the 2005 teams and, you know, that transition from the 0405 team to 0506. That was about the time that I became, you know, a diehard Heat fan where I was watching every game and living and dying with the team. And so I think it's very representative of kind of, like you said, you said it better than I ever could about why those teams kind of represent and, and you know, summarize what Pat did almost perfectly, right? He swings for the fences, like Al said. He, he's always going to go for it. He's more trustworthy than, you know, he makes a, he's made the heat way more trustworthy than all the other teams, right? That's the only thing I've ever known as a you know Miami sports fan is the heat being way more successful than the other teams. The other teams always letting me down. The heat always, you know, give me that feel good of always having a competitive team to root for a superstar, you know, all, constant success. And I think you can pretty much give a lot of that to Pat Riley is if you're talking, if you're talking about big picture here. And I think, that's that's really what puts him over the top is the fact that he's kept it so consistent this whole time. I mean, how many executives in sports are associated with one franchise at this point? Very few, right? Like, I'm, I mean, I mean, Pop is kind of an executive in San Antonio. I mean, he shares it with R.C. Buford. Very few in Patriots. the NBA. The Patriots is one. I mean, in the NBA, I'm thinking, I mean, Jerry West was the Lakers for how long? And, and then, you know, then gone. And Warriors, yeah, I mean, not Clippers. There's some young guys that are going to carve out those kinds of. Um, if you know, they stay, though, great. Like if, exactly. Okay, no, you're if, right. If, if Masai stays, you know, like Bob Myers likely stays in Golden State, but but you know, although Jerry West had something to do with that too before he moved on again. But yeah, Masai would be one. Um, I mean, who else are we talking? I mean, I mean, Danny Ainge is associated with the Celtics because he played there so long. But there's, I mean, there's Daryl Morey with Houston. I don't think so. I mean, I, the, the, I mean, LeBron's <laughs> probably the best executive Cle- Cleveland has ever had. Oh, so. by by far, I guess Sam Presti in Oklahoma City. I, I, but they have to get over the hump, you know. I, which they might with their with the bounty of picks. I mean, they're kind of like the Dolphins, except they've been run more competently over the years. But yeah, there's just very few. Uh, like Pat. All right, I want to get to one other thing. I, let's think of kind of the the contribution that, like, to you, what is Pat's biggest success? And I want you guys to try to think outside the box a little bit. Like, what is the most important thing he's done? And I think that most people are going to say the big three, 2010. I think that's the one he gets too much credit for. <laughs> uh, because if number three is not here, that doesn't happen anyway. If Andy doesn't set the table for all that, that doesn't happen anyway. I, I think Pat was maybe third or fourth most responsible for that. Um, but the one that, that comes to mind for me that I don't think he gets enough credit for and it fits with the consistency is I, and I know some fans aren't going to agree. I think it's the sticking by Eric Spolstra is the one that jumps out to me because to me that is, when you talk about stability, continuity, consistency, like to have a guy who's won championships like Riley and nobody would ever say Riley was the greatest game coach in the world. That really wasn't his greatest skill set. I think Pat would admit that, but the ability to stay mostly, not all the time. There are some stories I could tell you, but to stay mostly out of the head coach's way and allow him to carve his own niche, why and build and sort of grow into the role while having the support of not just ownership and Mickey deserves credit for this too, but, but also the man who did it at the highest level you could possibly do it, all-time top five great, greatest coach, and allow another guy to develop his own identity in there. And to me, if he hadn't done that, I don't know that the big three ever wins championships. Maybe you say LeBron would have gotten one, but, but the way that, that Eric got the most out of LeBron, particularly in those middle two years, particularly 2012, 2013, and as Eric has said many times, 
he would have been fired three times if he'd been anywhere else. Okay. You know, <laughs> he would have been fired for Pat at the very beginning when LeBron came in, he would have been fired at nine and 80 would have been fired after the 2011 finals. But to me, that has been, that's one of sort of Pat's overlooked, I think, uh, you know, wins during his tenure. Yeah. Was sticking by Eric this entire time and allowing Eric then to grow and build a different kind of culture, a more developmental culture with his own coaches as they went forward. I, th- I think part of sticking with Spolstra is how the Riley allure is going to live way beyond Riley being the center, you know, the, the face of the franchise it is kind of having that synergy and consistency passed on to now this the Spolstra led organization. That's a huge component to it all. And the other thing that I don't think uh, Riley gets enough credit for is his ability to balance um, taking information from those around him and, and changing his opinion. For instance, like being uh, uh, convinced in drafting Dwayne Wade, that's listening to the people around you and trusting them. Uh, trusting Spolstra, you know, is kind of uh, part and parcel to that. And also then, you know, you think of Ryan, the, this, the, the number one voice in the organization, he's making the final call on everything. So when you have that kind of power to make the final call, but you also have the For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ability to listen to those around you. I think that's an underrated aspect that Pat has had. I know there's a lot of times where it's his way or the highway, and uh, there's you know multiple scenarios like that, but... It, I think more often than not, he's getting the consensus in the room more than maybe uh, people give him credit for. Alex, is there is there uh, like some, something you think Pat has, has gotten too much credit for or too little credit for? Uh, not enough credit for the 2008 draft. No, I'm playing around. But uh... <laughs> Well, Randy Fun took the brunt of that one. Uh, <laughs> although Rio, you know, there was Rio in the second round. Listen, man, Beasley was a gift. No, but seriously, man, I think, again, going back to the 2005 and 2006 teams, I think that transition from those two teams and really just be having, you know, no other better way to say it, the balls to go from such a successful team with young players, guys that really seem to work around Wade and Shaq, to then go to that team that you mentioned before, Anton Walker, with Jason Williams, with James Posey. And I love that team, man. I was nine years old when I first saw that championship team, so there's definitely a lot of bias here. But I, I, like, I think it really is just a perfect summation of who he was as a guy. And, and he, even though he was you know, nowhere near perfect, it just uh, as a GM or as an executive, or as a coach, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, he's gonna, he's, he makes it exciting, right? He's made it exciting for fans. He's going to go for it. And that type of team, you know, with a b- bunch of guys who just wanted to win, who were towards the end of their careers, I just think it really is a perfect summation of what Riley has done. I mean, when he traded – Glenn Rice for Alonzo Mourning. And I was mm-hmm. really, really young. I probably was 12 or something like that. I was so upset. I hated Pat Riley because he traded Glenn Rice. That was our guy for Alonzo Mourning. And immediately you could tell how much the franchise had changed when you just had this different pillar that you were relying on. And it was from that moment forward that I started saying in Riley, we trust because 
it was just another example that he was coming here with a different vision, a bigger vision. And uh, it's just over and over unfolded that way. And now we're actually seeing it again. And we're going to see it one more time before he rides off into the sunset. Yeah, he's never made good the enemy of great. I think that's, um, you know, that's been one of the strengths. But Alf, is there something he gets too much credit for in your view? I mean, we talked about the big three. There, I mean, the whole the whole aura around him is that everything that happens within this franchise, it's his doing. So uh, he gets he gets too much credit for everything, right? And, right. But you also have to give him credit for putting the right people in place, for having the right culture in place. I know you hate that word, you know, for for coming down here after his stint with the Knicks to a team that hadn't proven anything, a franchise that was in its infancy who didn't have a, a huge, strong fan base, and to have the balls and the ego to just go down there and say, I'm, come down here and say, I'm going to fix all of that. Like that, I think that's kind of an underrated aspect of it because we've seen a lot of guys with big egos go different places thinking that they could change everything, that they're force of personality. I mean, we saw Bill Parcells come down here and do absolutely nothing but ride around on a golf cart. So, you know, for Riley to come down here and just absolutely take that risk, because it was a risk, because it got, I mean, it was Bimbo Coles and Sherman mm-hmm. Douglas, and it, it wasn't. Look at, look at some of the names he rifled through in the first two years, too. There's some It names. wasn't a premier franchise. Uh, Walt at, Williams, at, baby. At all. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Walt Williams with the high socks. I, he was a pretty decent player, actually. But, I mean, there were, there were a lot of guys who came through here who – uh, you know, were just transitional players. And it was, it was always great because Pat would always have something nice to say about them. But you knew, okay, this guy's not going to be here very long. Um, I, I, I think that the, the things he gets too much credit for are mostly the Wade-related things. <laughs> that's always the way I viewed it. It's, it's either the drafting of Wade, which I think that's been romanticized a little. I know he was on the treadmill. I get it. I know they were playing against Kentucky. I also know that, that there were others who were pushing for Dwayne more than he was. We can argue, but he denies Chris the Chris Kamen. Kamen. I know he denies the Chris Kamen thing. I think it was really more about Bosch, to be honest. Um, I, if, you, if, you re, if you remember, actually, I, I, got, I just want to tell this one quick one because one of the times I, I can remember, you know, there's a lot of times the organization's gotten upset at me. But one of the times I got a call from somebody high up in the organization was I wrote a column at the end of when I was at, still at the, Sun, I was at the Sun Sentinel. And I wrote a column, it was the, before the last game of the 2002-2003 season about how the Heat needed to lose this game. And they were going to do everything possible to lose this game. And the reason was they were trying to get up ahead of Toronto, potentially, you know, in terms of the lottery chances, for a better chance at Bosch. Okay? Not Wade. Wade was supposed to go ninth, all right, to the Bulls. That was most of the projections. And I got lit up okay some of the we don't tank we don't try to lose they've admitted since they tried to lose that game on purpose they 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 they, okay they won it they ended up in the five spot they got Dwayne instead of Bosch and even Dwayne was not a slam dunk there that got kind of smoothed over Uh, but most of the things I think he gets too much credit for are Dwayne related it was bringing in the other guys and and look when all this was going down in in 16 and uh excuse me 15 and 16 in the off seasons with Dwayne Dwayne and the people around him were making it clear that Pat was getting too much credit for some things that was were deserving that Dwayne was deserving of. I will I will tell you one thing I give Pat a lot of credit for repairing the relationship with Dwayne because I think as we go forward I don't think everybody's realized how important that was. I, I don't th- not just the fact that you know they brought him back here you know obviously and he was able to go off into the sunset the way he wanted to go off, 
uh, and they were able to have this great celebration this year. But also, I think it paved the way for a lot of other thawing, uh, for the Bosch thawing, because Dwayne and Bosch have become very close, for the Ray Allen thawing, for all of that stuff that I think has become uh, really beneficial for the Heat going forward as a franchise, whether it was bringing Jimmy in or some of the other things that are going to happen. I, I think that was a huge, huge thing. All right, so let, let's get to this then. Let's spin it forward a little bit. He's 75. He's there. The organization has great people with him more than they've ever had. Okay. Adam Simon is a force in his own now, as is Shane Battier. Andy Ellisberg already has been. You've got the Arisons. Chet's still around. Uh, I mean, I know I'm missing somebody, but I mean, they're obviously Zoe's part of the front office. And when I asked Pat, if, you know, when after LeBron left, when he was still bitter, you know, when he would leave and he basically said, you know, I, I want to, you know, get one more championship. And then, you know, me and Chris, his wife, we're going to, you're not even, we're not even going to celebrate it afterwards. We're just going to get on a plane. You're not going to see us again. That's it. That's how I want to walk off. Uh, in your view, uh, I'll start with you, Alf. What is the re what is the best send off? I mean, a championship obviously, but what is a satisfactory send off for Pat Riley? When do you think he decides enough is enough? I mean, when he lands the next big whale, I think that's what I think a transaction <laughs> even over the championship, because I, I think he could say, let's say he goes into 2021 and lands Giannis and he has, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big three of Giannis, Bam and Jimmy and whatever else they can add. And listen, even if they don't win the championship that first year, I would feel like he'd be able to ride off into the sunset at that point, knowing that he left the franchise in really good shape. I mean, he could leave, this summer and know that he left the franchise in fantastic shape. But I think he wants to pull the trigger on that final transaction, bringing that one guy, whether it be Bradley Beal, Giannis, who knows who, you know, who we know, we all know that Giannis is the, is, is the, the main orca, if you will. But I think if he can just pull off that one last transaction, I think he'd be satisfied with the shape he's left the franchise in. Alex, what's satisfactory for you? I tend to agree with Alf. I think, like, even if it, you know, the fact that he got out of that position, he helped get him out of the position that they were in, uh, you know, a year and a half ago, a year ago, when people were saying Blake is future in the league, et cetera. Uh, I think he can he can write off right now and have left him in a good place. But depending on how long all of this takes with the coronavirus, right? Like, by the time yeah. he comes back, he's going to be announcing his retirement. But no, <laughs> no. I mean, I mean, it's, it's not crazy to think that. I mean, a lot of things are going to change, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. But I mean, they may have lost a season this year, in which case it was basically just a developmental season, right? I mean, it was you weren't going to win a championship anyway, so you got all this this run for Tyler Hero and and Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn, right? Like I a damn out of bio. that he couldn't get. He, he didn't get to see the playoffs. Uh, Iguodala and Crowder. Yeah, yeah. The evaluation point, but you got back in the fans' good graces too, which I think is huge. Um, and you know, this, you guys know what the send off is and that's right. Directly following the championship parade in summer, 2022. I mean, so, <laughs> right, right. But that's, that's okay. That's the dismount. Well, obviously. And even then, I don't think that's the dismount. I don't think he'd let it go. I, I don't think so. I really think if they win, he's going to want to come back and, and try. It's the same thing as, I mean, he was a lot younger man then, but back in 2006 where he brought back the same damn team, you know, and that season ended with him clapping them off the floor after Lowell Deng, you know, 
swept them out of the first round of the playoffs. Uh, you know, this, I, I don't, I don't think he's ever going to be able to completely distance himself. I know he said he wouldn't just go be a consultant. Maybe he would if he, if, you know, family matters, you know, forced him out, but I, I don't. I don't even know that that ends it. I, I think uh, we, he's been so re-energized by this whole process, by kind of you know coming back from the you know the dead, so to speak, uh, in terms of the valuation. I mean, when I was running polls of him about a year ago, Leif, and we don't have a ton of time left, but when I was running polls of him, you know, there was like fifty-five percent of the fan base that was calling him washed and wanted him gone. I mean, right now his approval rating is probably ninety percent, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it was a really good move to realize that. Um, not only the fan base, but also all of the up and coming players, all of their favorite player is Dwayne Wade. So like when you, right. when you smoothed that over, you did a ton and got back in the good graces of not only the fan base, but all these young players, they look up to Dwayne. He's one of their favorite hall of fame legends. And now the fact that they're aligned, um, with the organization and Riley can kind of speak to his relationship with Dwayne. That's a, it has huge staying power going forward. Yeah. I think it's the most important thing he's done in the past three years. Honestly, I, I, I really do. All right. We're going to get to one other thing. We've got a new segment coming up in the show. We're going to introduce it here in a second, but before we do, I want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of the five reasons sports network, and that's Dutch Valley farms. What's Dutch Valley farms for starters. They're not your average cannabis grow farm. They've got deep roots in the three Oh five and this hometown group of doctors, CPAs and Silicon Valley professionals have taken their talents from the 305 to the 503 to make you the finest flower out there. How does Miami find its way all the way out in Oregon? It is simple. A team with a shared belief in cannabis research and erasing the stigma behind the bud. Today, the Dutch Valley Farms crew is bringing together old school growing practices with new school tech to deliver a consistently clean, high quality experience that you can feel good about. The proof is in the plant. If you want more information, visit DutchVF.com or visit them on Instagram at Dutch Valley Farms. And I've, guys, I've got all this stuff for you. I've got all this Dutch Valley Farms. Uh, I got eight t-shirts here that they sent me. So we've got to make sure that we pick those up if we're ever allowed to uh, see each other again. Anyway, um, Alex, we're going to go to you. We've got something else coming up. We're going to call it The Floor is Yours. What are we doing? All right, you've got him pretty good at this, just coming up with names on the fly. Very uh, radio Ethan over here. But, uh, but yeah, I like, we've come up with this idea to pretty much try to get fans involved now that, you know, we need content, we're going to keep putting stuff out and we've been wanting to get uh, five on the floor fans involved for a while. I think an easy way to do that is to pretty much have a fan segment, maybe weekly that we do on here. Uh, you know, we get the fans involved with some prompts, with some questions, uh, maybe a mailbag segment. Uh, Ethan, you mentioned that, you know, maybe they wear one of the shirts, take a picture with it. Mm -hmm. It might come on the show, something like that. But I think, you know, just introducing that whole weekly fan segment thing right now, right? Like that's, uh, you know, just so that everybody know this is going to happen moving forward, right? We're going to get the fans involved here. We want people to join in on the conversation. We're all in this coronavirus quarantine together. And, you know, we just want to wrap up the conversation here and get people involved because not every other outlet can really do it in that way. No, and like I said, we're going to be, you know, providing more content, not less during this. You mentioned the T-shirts. We're definitely going to do that. Uh, we've got a five on the floor T-shirt on our website, and everything right now is 15% off. So if you just go to fivereasonsports.com, tap the merchandise uh, icon, and 15% off, all you got to do is type in Miss Sports. So there's three S's there in the middle, Miss Sports 5, Miss Sports 5. You'll get fifteen percent off. Um, Alf, are you, and basically all you got to do buy one of those T-shirts. One of the things we're going to do a lot of things, but one of the things we do buy one of those T-shirts. Tag us. We'll get you on the show. 
Okay, that I can guarantee you. We will get you on the show one way or another, either by your comments or bring you on directly. Alf, you are still by default the Heat Twitter president. You're imposing martial law because of the situation here in the country. Uh, so Chef Trilly cannot take your job. Uh, are you going to be the one monitoring the fans that we bring on here? Or does Leif... Leif feels like more of a Biden character to me, whereas you feel like more of like a Trump character. Wow. Don't try, don't try anything like that. Wow. Uh, I don't know. Well, I don't, I don't know. know if I'm supposed to say thank you. or Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. We don't, we don't have a lot of good choices, but I, I feel like Alf is a little more fly off the handle. Like he would have a press conference like Trump had today. Um, I would. You would. Uh, except it might be warranted in your case. Uh, are you going to, you're going to participate in choosing the fans, right? We're going to, you, you'll, you'll help us with this. Of course. I have nothing else to do. Actually, I'm still working. So, yeah. Working how, how many of you are still working? I mean, I don't have a job. All I do is uh, is pay my attorney. What um who actually just texted me right now, which is why I got to go. What uh what 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 are you doing? Leif, you working from home? Yep, working from home, set up remotely and uh hopefully we can get stores back open cuz uh this this is not sustainable, we'll say. <laughs> no, it's not sustainable. I've got a haircut today. I squeezed in there. They're shutting down tomorrow, so I saw Alf. Alf I'm, shaving, I'm shaving off this mohawk. So yeah, well, that's well, that's a public service. Something good came out of this. Um, Alex, <laughs> Alex, what are you? I mean, you can't drive right now, right? Like, well, who's who you driving? Talk about unsustainable. <laughs> the gig economy, man. Oof, it is taking a collapse right now with everything going on. I mean, I haven't worked Uber or Lyft since Sunday. And it was already pretty risky working it last week with spring breakers. I was wiping down the car uh, after literally every ride. It was and not just because of the coronavirus either. That's uh, <laughs> not just not just because of that. One of one of many uh, things going around. But uh, no, <laughs> but seriously, I'm just gonna have to you know start doing Uber Eats. You know, keep coming up with these podcasts. Maybe maybe, maybe you can still do some Uber rides in Miami. Maybe like, money coming from life of crime. Where are those payouts? Damn it. <laughs> well, we need payouts. Oh, that's the other thing. We're, we're, we're cutting the ad prices. So check us out on five reasons sports. We got to go. Zoom's cutting us off. They're the only people in the country making money. Bye. Thank you for listening to the five on the floor on the five reasons sports network. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.